Welcome to the Women's Wellness Psychiatry Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anna Glazer, MD, a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist here to help you make sense of the complex world of women's mental health. If your goal is to improve your emotional well-being, find fulfillment, and feel like your best self, you're in the right place. Welcome, my listener friends. In this episode, we're talking all about perimenopause. We're going to dispel some myths, and we're going to discuss the elevated risk that women have for depression during the menopause transition and what you can do to protect yourself and to treat those symptoms if you have them. Let's start with some definitions. First, what is menopause? Menopause is defined as one year without menstrual bleeding, and on average, that's at age 51. Now, the perimenopausal transition, however, is typically four to eight years. And the vasomotor symptoms, like hot flashes, happen in about 80% of women for up to seven years. And so when you think about those numbers, seven, eight years, that can have a significant impact on quality of life, on your sleep, mood, and productivity. So that's why it's so important to talk about it. There's been a few really important studies that have taken a look at the connection between perimenopause and mood symptoms. There was the SWAN study, which is the study of women across the nation, which looked at over 400 perimenopausal women who were between the ages of 42 and 52 as they transitioned into menopause. And there was 13 years of follow-up. So these women were followed for over a decade. They found that almost 40%, 39% of the women, experienced an episode of major depression during that window of time. And they found that the risk was higher in those who had a lifetime history of major depression. So the difference was 28% of those who didn't have the risk and 59% of those who did have that risk, that prior history of depression, developed symptoms during that perimenopausal window. And the risk for depression was also higher in those with a history of anxiety disorders. So a history of depression and a history of anxiety can increase the risk of those kinds of symptoms during the perimenopausal years. But there's also a baseline risk even for those women out there who don't have that history. There was also a really interesting study, the Harvard Study of Mood and Cycles, which followed premenopausal women over time. And again, this was over 400 women. And they looked at and found that premenopausal women with no history of depression who entered perimenopause were twice as likely to develop depressive symptoms when those women were compared with those who remained premenopausal during that window of time that the women were observed. So putting that another way, there were basically this large cohort of women that were followed over time. Some women went into perimenopause and menopause and others did not. And those that did were much more likely to be depressed, to have depressive symptoms than those who did not. So let's talk a little bit more about who is at risk. First, women who enter menopause earlier actually have a higher risk of mood and depressive symptoms. There was an important meta-analysis that was published in JAMA Psychiatry in 2016 that found this connection, this association. One theory, one explanation for why that might be is that estrogen may be protective from some of these depressive kinds of symptoms. And we see that also in other kinds of hormonal situations 
related to mood. So for example, in PMDD, which is a topic that we covered a couple of podcasts ago, we see that with PMDD during the luteal phase, during that premenstrual window, when there is a drop in estrogen, there's often an increase in symptoms of depression. Similarly, in postpartum depression, one of the theories is that there's a precipitous drop of estrogen and other hormones at the time of delivery that predisposes a woman for the development of postpartum depressive symptoms. So similarly, there is a drop in estrogen during perimenopause, and that's thought to be part of the reason that there's a higher risk of depression during that window of time. So an earlier age of perimenopause increases the risk of mood and depressive symptoms. We've talked already about a history of depression and anxiety increasing the risk. There's also been a study that found that a history of trauma in childhood and adolescence can actually increase the risk of depressive symptoms during perimenopause. And this might be surprising. I mean, how does something that happened decades ago impact us so many years later? And it's really validation for the notion that trauma isn't something that we just get over, so to speak, or push aside. It can leave lasting effects on our bodies and brains. And it's important to work through that. We'll certainly talk about trauma in future podcasts because it is a topic unto itself. Another risk for depressive symptoms in perimenopause is having more vasomotor symptoms, having more hot flashes, as well as having sleep issues. And it almost becomes a little bit of a chicken and egg type of question. So is it the hot flashes that impact sleep and then the low sleep and poor sleep lead to depression? Or is there an underlying hormonal issue that actually leads to both the depression and the hot flashes? Or is it the depression that leads to sleep problems? We do know that insomnia is a symptom of depression. So we don't know which of those directions, and I suspect that it's all of those different directions that explain the reason for that increased risk. To review those risk factors, we've talked about an earlier age of perimenopause. We've talked about history of depression and anxiety, history of trauma, more vasomotor symptoms, and sleep issues. So now let's talk a little bit about some of the misconceptions about menopause. One is this belief that you just have to deal with it. This is an unfortunate misconception that women face across the reproductive lifespan. I'm sure we've all kind of heard it or thought about it or seen it on media where it's just the sense of, well, you're having cramps, you just have to deal with it. Or you're having challenges related to pregnancy, you just have to deal with it. And now here comes menopause or perimenopause and you just have to deal with it. And what I want to share with you is that's not the case. That's actually a misconception. You don't have to, quote unquote, just deal with it. There's a lot of different kinds of treatment options out there that can really help with quality of life. And this podcast is to let you know that there are many, many options. Let's talk about a few of those options. The first is hormones. And a lot of women do hesitate to take hormones. One of the main reasons that that might be the case is that there was this study now almost 20 years ago, the Women's Health Initiative Study, which looked at women on hormones and concluded that they have a higher risk of heart problems and breast cancer. But when you take a closer look, a deeper dive into that information, into those studies, 
One of the issues is that the women that were in that study were all postmenopausal. So oftentimes women in their late 50s or 60s who are many, many years after menopause. Remember, we're talking about perimenopause oftentimes starting in the early 40s. And these women are much older that were in this Women's Health Initiative study. The other thing that is an issue is that there's a different duration of hormones. A lot of women can actually benefit from a very short duration of use of hormones just to get them through that perimenopausal transition. There's also different doses and types of estrogens and more that have come into being since that study came out now almost two decades ago. There's also topical hormones. So I think the fact that you may have a hesitation to take hormones because of that misconception about them is something to really take a look at to think about whether or not that might be something that could significantly improve your quality of life and definitely talk with your OBGYN about it. And then there's a number of treatment options outside of hormones to consider. So for example, there are antidepressant medications which can help with the mood symptoms as well as the vasomotor symptoms like the hot flashes and the issues related to sleep. There's also non-prescription types of options. So for example, there was a great study that took a look at cognitive behavioral therapy and they found that the women that were in the study, there were 71 women, they found that the cognitive behavioral therapy was effective not just for depressive symptoms, which is what you might expect, but also actually helped with the hot flashes, the sleep issues, and sexual concerns. So cognitive behavioral therapy is another treatment option to consider. There's also dietary changes. There's definitely been some data on plant-based diets and also the idea of adding soy. Soy is a substance that is estrogenic, meaning they can increase estrogen in the body during this time of perimenopause when estrogen levels are falling. So there can be options of dietary changes and also some supplements and botanicals to consider. So what I want to encourage you to do is definitely speak with your OBGYN or primary care physician about these and other treatment options rather than continuing to hold the belief that it's just something to deal with, especially when it's something that can last for so many years. That's another misconception. Perimenopause and menopause is not just a one and done thing that happens over the course of a year or so. It can take many, many years like we talked about and something that impacts quality of life dramatically during a time when you want to be living your life. You want to be productive. You're oftentimes in your early 40s, mid 40s, late 40s, maybe into your early 50s, which is prime of life. And you want to be able to function during that time without feeling limited by the symptoms of perimenopause, whether they're the mood symptoms that we've been talking primarily about or some of the other symptoms like the vasomotor symptoms, which impact 80% of women who are going through this transition. So I think it's really important to recognize that just dealing with perimenopause and menopause is just a myth. It's just a misconception. And there's a wide number of different treatment options, prescription and non-prescription, hormonal and non-hormonal, that can really be beneficial to help with all of the different kinds of symptoms, particularly the ones that we're focusing on today, because after all, I am a psychiatrist and I've definitely had so many women come to me who are perimenopausal, who are having symptoms of depression, 
And we work hard using a number of different treatment options to help them feel their best again. And that's what I wish for you. So please connect with your OBGYN or primary care doctor and discuss which of these treatment options might help you feel your best. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. As you know, my goal is to share with you the most helpful information that moves you towards emotional well-being. If you have suggestions or questions, I'd love to hear those. And I also always appreciate a rating that will help others find this valuable content. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Please note that while I am a clinical doctor, this podcast is not a substitute for nor should be taken as medical advice. No specific health advice is being given on this podcast and no physician-client relationship is created by you listening to this podcast. All information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only.